Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey, here on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, we'll be hearing from Ivy about local news, as well as from myself about new COVID-19 updates. Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum will also be giving us some new information in the world of sports, and we'll be hearing from Julia Battles and Dan Mladnik from Mishawaka and Chippers Lanes North College about a new socially distant concert series. Let's jump right into the news. This is your local news on 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. The Cameron Peak Fire is still at 0% containment and has grown to over 23,000 acres, according to Rebecca Powell at the Coloradoan. Colorado Highway 14 remains closed from Kelly Flats Campground to Gould, and closures are in place within the Arapahoe and Roosevelt National Forests. However, due to cooperative weather, cooling temperatures, and low fire activity, the growth of the fire has been much slower, and the voluntary evacuation area that began just west of Stove Prairie Road was lifted Sunday due to these positive developments, as stated by the Larimer County Emergency Managers. Only one structure has been damaged by the fire so far, a Lost Lake Trailhead outhouse. National Incident Management Organization Incident Commander B. Day spoke during a virtual Q&A to answer questions about the fire and clarified that the strategy for fighting the fire is still full suppression, but that early conditions made it difficult to get close to the fire safely. According to a press release, nine local businesses and organizations have joined a pilot ambassador program through the Four Fort Collins Initiative an initiative designed to encourage Fort Collins community members to shop locally and assist the reopening efforts. ForFortCollins.com is a marketing and public relations campaign aimed at encouraging community members to support local businesses, especially those in industries most impacted by COVID-19, such as restaurants, retail, creatives, salons, manufacturers, and more. As ambassadors, the businesses will work with local marketing agency Old Town Media to enhance their marketing efforts. The businesses and organizations joining the program are the Downtown Creative District, Gilded Goat Brewing Co., Happy Lucky's Tea House, Lima Coffee Roasters, Malama Massage and Body Work, Poudre River Library District, Rhythm EFX, The Otter Shop, in the taco shop. You can visit forfortcollins.com ambassadors to lo- learn more about each of these ambassadors. According to J.C. Marmaduke at the Coloradoan, Fort Collins City Council is set to vote on several important measures during today's meeting at 6 p.m. concerning Fort Collins election code and election finance rules. The council plans to vote on the changes, which would apply only to the local municipal elections for city council positions, local ballot issues, and the mayoral race, and would be first applicable for the July 2021 municipal elections. The two possible changes that the council is expected to discuss in greater length would tighten restrictions on campaign contributions from limited liability corporations, or LLCs, and contribute to political committees. Current city election code allows LLCs to donate up to $75 to a candidate committee for a city council member or $100 to a committee for a mayoral candidate, the same limit that exists for an individual. But one person can be a member of multiple LLCs, 
which creates an avenue for any one person to bypass individual donation limits by donating through various LLCs. Election finance records show that this has happened in previous Fort Collins elections. The proposed change would bring this requirement into alignment with state election code, which requires donations from LLCs to include statements that attribute the donation to specific LLC members. The donations attributed through an LLC would then count towards individual donation limits. The other change that will be discussed in greater detail would put a cap on contributions to political committees. There's currently no cap on contributions to political committees, which consist of two or more people who join together to accept contributions or make expenditures to support or oppose one or more candidate. Political committees are different from ca uh, candidate committees, which accept contributions or make expenditures under the authority of one candidate. Political committees aren't allowed to make direct contributions to other committees, including candidate committees, but they can spend their money in support of candidates. The possible changes are the result of months of deliberation by the council's election code committee and input from local groups including the League of Women Voters and Represent Fort Collins. You can find out more info about the upcoming council meeting at fcgov.com council. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News Updates for Tuesday, September 1st, 2020. According to NPR's Bracton Booker, thousands of people gathered in Washington, D.C. on Friday to make demands for criminal justice reform and racial equality. The commitment march opened with speeches before attendees made their way through D.C., ending at the site of the Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial. The event included many efforts to try and register attendees to vote. Trayvon Martin and Breonna Taylor's mothers spoke at the event. Martin Luther King III and other civil rights and prison reform activists were also present. The demonstration also commemorated the 57th anniversary of the original March on Washington in 1963. According to Brian Naylor from NPR, President Donald Trump is visiting Kenosha, Wisconsin today despite the wishes of local officials. He plans to visit an emergency management center, meet with police, and visit a portion of the city that faced damages during protests for Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old man who is paralyzed after being shot seven times in the back by police at a close range. Trump does not plan to meet with the family of Jacob Blake because the meeting would involve the, the Blake family's attorney. Both the governor of Wisconsin and the mayor of Kenosha urged the president not to visit until the city is healed. According to John Verhovic at ABC News, the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce has endorsed former Vice President Joe Biden. The National LGBT Chamber of Commerce is an advocacy organization that works to support and provide economic opportunities in LGBT business communities, and called Biden a champion for inclusion, citing his support for LGBT rights during the Obama administration and his push to pass the Equality Act, which would prohibit discrimination based on sexuality and gender identity. The log cabin Republicans have also released a video earlier this month in support of President Donald Trump, in which they say that he is the most pro-gay president in American history. The log cabin Republicans are the most prominent organization currently representing Republican LGBTQ individuals. Colorado State University has a cumulative total of 100 positive cases of COVID-19 between students and faculty members. These numbers are based on information available at CSU's COVID-19 recovery website, which lists data and graphs relating to COVID-19 in our community. Students and staff at Colorado State University also have access to the COVID Answers and Guidelines email address at ucom underscore COVID-19 19 at mail.colostate.edu. The email address is staffed by CSU employees and students who, quote, stand ready to help, end quote, according to an email from Joyce McConnell just before the start of the semester. Larimer County is continuing to be at a medium risk when it comes to the spread of COVID-19, with 14 new cases within the last 24 hours as of yesterday. 
Only nine days in the past two weeks have seen fewer than 15 new cases a, a day. Only nine state. Only nine days in the past two weeks have seen fewer than 15 new cases per day, and we have nearly 2,000 cases overall with 36 deaths. Only five COVID-19 patients are currently hospitalized, and overall hospital utilization is at 62%. One in five Larimer County residents have been able to get tested compared to about one in eight Colorado residents. The state of Colorado has seen over 50, 57,000 cases, with nearly 2,000 deaths across the state. Nearly 711,000 people have been tested for COVID-19 statewide. The Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment is seeking feedback on a new matrix to better identify when counties should be in specific phases, such as stay at home, safer at home, and protect our neighbors. The, dead the deadline for providing feedback is this Thursday at 12 p.m. To submit feedback or to review the current draft of the matrix, visit covid19.colorado.gov and scroll below the case data banner. Across the country, there have been a total of over 6 million COVID-19 cases and over 180,000 deaths. California, Texas, and Florida continue to be hotspots for the virus. However, daily new cases have dropped significantly since July. Testing availability across the US and in other countries has been flawed as a lack of testing access has prevented some probable cases from being counted. Information for today's segment was gathered from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the New York Times. That's all for today's COVID-19 update. I'm Coda Babcock, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. We'll be right back. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and you just heard from myself and my co-host, Ivy, as we explored new updates in our community and country as our, we make our way into a new month in the second week of the semester. Next up, we're going to be hearing from some folks over at Mishawaka and Chippers Lanes about the Live on the Lanes concert series. So thanks for joining me today, both of you. Um, introduce yourself and explain what Live on the Lanes is, what Chippers is. I guess I can go first. Uh, yeah, you do it, Dan. Okay. <laughs> Um, Dan Mladnik, um, I'm the GM and talent buyer up at Mishawaka. Um, also owned Hodies for 10 years. That was my other, my main gig for a while. Um, so a little bit about Chippers. Chippers is a bowling alley here in town. There's a couple of them. Um, we're specifically working at Chippers North College. Um, and yeah, it's, they, if you know Chippers, you know that they already have a stage and do some music there from time to time. Um, but for this Live on the Lanes, this new series will be kind of beefing up that sound and, and lighting there and kind of making it more like a real venue and yeah, doing um, bigger shows there. So that's a little bit about that. Um, and then I'm Julia Batalise. I am one of the uh, hospitality slash operational interns. 
um, for the Mishawaka and then it just kind of like, because we're kind of, you know, we, we work with chippers as well. So um, I'm fairly new, <laughs> so <laughs> I don't really, uh, I haven't done a ton yet, but um, I'm excited to help out with chippers as well. Awesome, thanks. Um, so what do you guys think that Live on the Lanes is going to look like taking into account social distancing, sanitation, just those new guidelines? I mean, I know we're um, planning on getting some pretty big shields for right around the stage. Um, I don't remember how high they are, but they're like from head to like hip area. They're pretty large um, just to block the band from uh, any of the other people. Um, and then I think we also have the tables pretty spaced out. I think Dan can talk more about that though. Yeah, um, a lot like we're doing up at the Mish this summer. Um, it'll be tables all spread throughout the um, bowling alley. So all, you know, six feet apart at least. Um, so there'll be some tables will be the lanes, obviously, where people can bowl during the, the show. And then some will be kind of in the back spread out um, in different areas there. Um, yeah, and there'll be the big plexiglass in front of the band. That's um, to keep, you know, they, there's a lot with the singing and uh, the 25 feet. So we're just adding another extra measure of safety there, hanging this giant piece of plexiglass just to have um, more in between the band and the crowd. Even though there's nobody really bowling in front of the band, it's just an added measure. And as far as like safety and cleaning, we're gonna have a lot of um, extra protocols inside, a lot of extra cleaning. Um, we'll be doing temperature scans, stuff like that to make sure people are safe. All right, that sounds great. How has really this planning for social distance and planning to curb coronavirus made pl made um, planning these events challenging? Well, it's definitely challenging. It's definitely different than planning concerts, you know, six months ago or so. Um, a lot of extra thought process into safety where people are gonna be. Um, there's a lot of planning with the tables and how many people you can fit and getting the layouts planned. Um, not normally something you have to do for a concert because it's kind of already there, you know, you got standing room, people people kind of come and do what they want. This is very specific. Um, yeah, so there's, there's kind of a lot going on. It, because we haven't really done it at Shippers yet, I think like the way that we've done it at the Mish, um, it's just been like, we have to put the stanchions up and trying to like think about how people are gonna, you know, maybe congregate once they start getting into the music. So. Um, it kind of depends. I think I think it will we're gonna see what's gonna happen at Chippers, but like so far at the Mish, um, you know, we've we've seen the issues there and then we've been like correcting it. So uh, I think I'm sure the same thing's gonna happen at Chippers. All right, and then just question for Julia. Um, how have how has attendance been at concerts of the Mish now that things are starting to reopen? Oh, it's been it's been pretty good. I mean, so I believe capacity is 128. That's right, right, Dan? Yeah. Um, and so there's like 25 ish tables. Um, so depending on each table, there can be between like two people at a table to like eight people at a table. Um, and so sometimes what will happen is like everyone will show up. Um, basically, how it works is like there are about like um, some tables are supposed to be there at like seven o'clock and some tables are supposed to be there at like seven ten. So everyone gets an email where they're supposed to get in there at a certain time. Um, and then we kind of get them to where they're supposed to be at their table. We'll take them there and then we'll give them the rundown of, um, you know, wear your mask. Um, you can enjoy the show, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the where you can smoke, blah. That's all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, 
for the most part, like everyone will show up every now and then there'll be a couple tables where uh, they just won't arrive for some reason. Um, so there's only like, maybe like 10 people won't arrive, I'd say, every year. But yeah, as far as capacity, we're most, all these shows are selling out, you know, it's uh, just yeah. whether somebody's not coming on the day, you know, for whatever reason, but yeah, like the, there's demand definitely and people. people yeah. Awesome. Good to hear. Yeah. Um, uh, what is the, really the main goal of restarting it? Is it more focused on just getting people back out to shows? Is it focused on getting bands um, back into the scene? Um, yeah, it's kind of a little bit of everything. Really getting, you know, the gig workers back to work, all the production crew and, you know, everybody getting the bands, gigs so that they can get some money coming in. Kind of, yeah, getting everybody, you know, at least here in Fort Collins, kind of kind of getting something started for for the music industry so that's that's really important getting getting the gig workers and everybody back and bands you know need to play and everybody that's played up there has just been like wow we didn't realize how much we needed that just like getting on stage and being in front of people and the same goes for the crowd you know it's just people love music and it's just a big a, a, a great experience and it's just kind of sad that we haven't had it so people that are getting up there are definitely stoked all right, yeah, glad to hear that. And then just out of curiosity, what artists have either played or shown interest in playing so far? Just as like a couple examples, not an exhaustive list, but. Are we talking for the Mish this summer? Um, Either, to be honest. Uh, well, Chippers won't be starting until next month. We'll have a couple, couple local bands coming in there. Um, but as far as the Mish, we've had um, Head for the Hills is coming up this weekend. Um, we had Cycles come up there. Um, Kyle Hollingsworth from the String Cheese Incident is coming next month. So yeah, we've got quite a bit going on there. The Yoppers just played last weekend. That was a really good show. So just kind of every different kind of band, every kind of different kind of genre, we're kind of doing, trying to do a, a diverse kind of thing up there, you know, not trying to do too much of one genre or another, just kind of kind of give everybody a chance to get up there and play. Awesome. And then if people are interested in uh, looking at these shows, where can they go? Um, mostly on our website, www.themishawaka.com. Um, that's where you can kind of find everything. Also, there's events for everything on Facebook and, you know, Instagram and all that stuff, but. All right. And then do either of you have any, have anything to add about, um, Mishawaka, um, Chippers, Live on the Lanes, anything along those lines? Well, for the Mishawaka, people should come up and see a show. There's the fires are 30 miles away. There's a lot of like online, um, where Google Maps is telling people that it's closed, the canyon, and it is, and it is, but it's like 30 miles past the Mish. So we're having issues with people thinking that it's closed and are the concerts going on. So we want to let everybody know we're open, shows are going on, the fires, you know, the, the, the smoke isn't there. It's not, you know, it's the same as it is here in town. It's nothing worse up there. So people should come see a show. All right. Thank you both so much for coming on the show. That was Julia Battleys and Dad Melodnik from Mishawaka and Chippers Lanes. Up next, we've got Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum with some new content from the sporting world. Before we hear from him, we want to remind our listeners that the Rocky Mountain Review is currently seeking a news producer to run our board and help us in making the show sound great for two hours each week. This position is for CSU students only, and those with DJ experience are preferred. We're also looking for volunteer student reporters and newscasters. If you're interested, email us at news at kcsufm.com. Now we're going to pass it off to Jonathan. Hello and thank you for listening. It's Jonathan Gillum with Sporting News. 
Just a quick reminder, the NHL and NBA playoffs are currently underway. The shortened baseball season is underway. NBA, NHL, and MLB games are found and playing throughout each week. And less than two weeks, the NFL season is also underway. We will have all four sports in the same, all four major sports in the same month. So, moving forward to some local sports news. For baseball, local Colorado Rockies have had an up and down year. Many had hoped the Rocks would have a great year. However, after a great start, the Rocks went on a losing streak, got swept in two different series, and was kind of looking bad. They slightly bounced back and they got it back to 500 and are currently at 17 and 7. They hope to climb above 500 with a series against the Giants and the Dodgers during this week two of the semester. Next with NHL, your local Colorado Avalanche have fell behind against the Dallas Stars who are leading currently 3-1. The Avalanche season currently hangs in the balance. They must win three straight to win the series and keep their season alive. Their next game is currently scheduled for Wednesday, the time undecided yet. Additionally, the Denver Nuggets well, they've done the unthinkable. They've done the opposite of what the Colorado have, Colorado Avalanche have just done. They actually just climbed out of a hole they dug themselves in and tied the series at three games apiece with the Utah Jazz. With a win in Game 7, they can keep their season alive. Next, the Denver Broncos homeowner is in a couple weeks, scheduled for September 14th. Now, for local news... I'm going to cover the Colorado High School Activities Association um, breakdown of what the sports seasons might look like during this school semester. Um, this was announced earlier this month, but just to reiterate it, so the CHSAA has changed the format of high school sports and divided it into four different seasons. On August 4th, they announced football is going to be pushed back along with Field hockey, gymnastic, boys, soccer, unified bowling, and girls volleyball. And they're going to move it to what they call Season C, which Season C is going to begin on March 1st and end with the playoffs by May 1st. Each of the seasons will last approximately seven weeks with schedules and playoffs being reduced. Season A will have the following sports, and that's softball, boys golf, boys tennis, cross country, and begins... August 10th, so it's already started, and it will conclude October 17th. Then season B, which is going to be basketball, ice hockey, skiing, girls swimming, and wrestling, that will go from October 17th, or I'm sorry, will go from January 4th and finish March 6th. Finally, season D, which is going to be baseball, girls golf, lacrosse, girls soccer, boys swimming, girls tennis, and boys volleyball and track and field will start April 26th and conclude in late June. All right. And then I just wanted to make one more special announcement. Are you part of an outdoor club or organization and you want to get the word out? Well, here at KCSU Sports, I want to find out about our community-based organizations and our clubs that have to do with outdoor sports. So, for example, if you have a kayaking club and you meet up every Wednesdays and, and have these great spots 
and you would like more members or just to get the word out, I will interview you or put the information out on our kcsufm.com. So again, just to reiterate, if there is an organization, say you are part of an outdoor club, outdoor sports club, or even a regular sports club, say you're in a hockey club league and you just want to talk about your sports, I want to hear about it. I'd like to discuss it with you and maybe even possibly do an interview. To reach us, send us an email at sports at kcsufm.com. That's sports at kcsufm.com. Finally, if you are missing that deep dive into sports, KCSU-FM has that need covered. We're going to produce articles this fall. We have weekly podcasts and much, much more with our weekly sports shows as well. More information can be found at our website at kcsufm.com. That is all I have for sports news. Thank you for listening. I hope everyone has had a wonderful day. Hope you stay well and sane and safe. For KCSU Sports, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time. That was Jonathan Gillum, our assistant sports director, with some updates on sports. We're going on a quick break, but we'll be right back here at 90.5 KCSU for the Rocky Mountain Review. We're back here at the Rocky Mountain Review. We're going to be moving on to weather, but you just heard all of our local campus, national, and sports news, as well as an exclusive interview with Julia Battles and Dan Milodnik from Mishawaka and Chippers Live on the Lanes. Take it away, Ivy. And now, let's go to the weather. The weather today in Fort Collins is expected to reach a high of 80 degrees Fahrenheit with a low of 53 degrees Fahrenheit. And this trend is expected to persist throughout the week, with highs around 90 degrees all throughout the week. It's going to be a very dry week this week, with 0% chance of precipitation uh, up until next Monday. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank Asher Korn, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Griffin Ham, Jonathan Gillum, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. We'd also like to thank our most recent predecessors, Ren Wadsworth and Max Hunter. We're both so lucky to have had amazing examples as we learned to lead the show as reporters. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time. time.